glad everything seems to be technically working okay now. Right. I'm kind of disappointed with the fact that when I had the network cable connected to the computer instead of using the wireless, that it was horribly worse that it was dropping out all over the place. I would have thought it would have been completely different. I, well, it could have been when we had a bad connection to start. I don't know. I mean, you can certainly try it again if you'd like to. No, I, I'm just going to go with what I know has been working for 13 episodes so far. So, <laughs> Okay. If it ain't broke, don't fuck it. Don't think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when it's broke... Yes. That's the best fucking there is. Yes. <laughs> when it's all broken inside and okay, it <laughs> got creepy real fast. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Oh, well, yeah, that's funny. I didn't assign it a gender, by the way. I was just like, yeah. Right. <laughs> if its spirit is broken, fuck it. Fuck it. Okay, that's, 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 that's being <laughs> completely removed from the uh, pre-show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we haven't even started. I don't know. Everything is the pre-show. If it's recording, it's pre-show. Yeah. You know, you just should always assume your mic is live. Yeah, I that's learned true. that the hard way. Oh, really? Yep. There's a story in that. Well, not the not no, not the hard way. I mean, I learned that from, you know, experiences in the past where, you know, that that's just a standard um uh saying when you work in radio. radio. What do you yeah. call that? Radio. What do you call that? Not a saying, you know. <laughs> what's a fancy word for saying? Um. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of one either. Yeah, I don't know. Credo. Yeah. Sure. I know there's a better word than that. I just can't think of it at the moment. I can't. Oh well, I, I all I can come up with is saying. So platitude. You know. No, no, that's a. No, that's it's getting well, close. Yes, but no. But not quite. Yes. Yeah. Not a motto. Not a saying. Not a phrase. The standard good idea. What the fuck would be a word for that? It's rule a standard of th- rule of thumb. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Now I gotta. Now I gotta Google it. Nah, forget. That's it. just a given. Yes. Yeah. Let's run yeah. it up the thesaurus and see who salutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm watching. I've got the TV on in here, and there's a. Have you seen this ad for pop tarts that are root beer and uh, orange crush flavored? I think I've seen some print ads. I don't think I've seen any TV ads. Oh. What the I'm hell? I'm just like, who wants a fucking root beer flavored Pop-Tart? That sounds disgusting. <laughs> and and Orange Crush flavored, too. Mm. It just does not sound like, I guess kids will eat anything. Fucking kids will eat anything. Oh, yeah. Kids like root beer. Kid like, kids like Orange Crush. Let's make Pop-Tarts flavored like that. Right. Put uh. a fucking tiger on the box the kids will eat up. Yes. What about... <laughs> And an adage, the old adage. An adage. Yep, that's or, a good one. A, that's a the dictum, word we were looking for. A precept, a axiom. Okay. <laughs> you know, well. my dictum has a lot of precept when I get excited. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nuts, man. That's crazy. <laughs> that's that's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> How are things going on your end? Ah, oh, good. Another day at work. Tomorrow's Friday, so I That's can't complain. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fun yeah, stuff. Fun except stuff. I got to work Saturday. I was just realizing I have to work Saturday, which isn't so bad. I mean, it's just a few hours. But but then the uh, UT game starts at 6 on Saturday. Uh-huh. And then the Bowie thing at the Spider House, I think, starts at 9. Oh, right. Yeah. 
And I was like, well, shit, I'm probably not going to get to see the end of the game, but they may have the game on at Spider House. I think it's going to be a blowout. I can't remember who they're playing, but um, uh, mm-hmm. it's not a, a particularly great team. Are they playing? It's like the University of Texas at El Paso. Like, oh, my God. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say UTEP. <laughs> <laughs> yep, UTEP. The UTEP Miners. U- yeah, UTEP, we win. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should just start this bad boy. We're already starting late, so. Yeah, let's do it. Why don't we just, why don't we just fire it up and get into it? Yeah, definitely. Ready to go? Ready to roll? Everything's good? Yep, ready to go. You sound good. I sound good. Technical is on. All right. I'm going to do the countdown and hit that shit. All right. Three, two, a one. music capital of the world austin texas the city that brought you daniel johnston alex jones fantastic fest the texas longhorns the thong guy barbara jordan and the best little whorehouse in texas and the world's largest urban population of mexican free-tailed bats it's a slippery slope the podcast with the dazed and confused mark browner and lodger I'm dazed. Hello. <laughs> and I'm confused. Ding, 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 ding. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's good. Wow. I turned, I turned it into I'm a picking and I'm a grinning. Yeah, I was saying we were, we were devolving into hee haw there for a moment. <laughs> that's definitely a deep, dark, slippery slope de evolution right there. If you want to use car, call BR549. <laughs> you know, I watched that show. My dad loved that show, of course, and I watched it when I was a kid. Right. And uh, there were actually some funny things on it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, when I was a little kid, I loved that show. I liked everything but the singing, of course. <laughs> well, I think uh, I was, yeah, same the here. Comedy was, the oh, comedy was funny. and Yeah, it was hilarious. It was the uh, redneck version of... Uh, Laugh-In. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it's funny. I was just thinking a couple weeks ago, I was just thinking about the, the guy, I think it was Archie Campbell was his name, that did the bit about he'd say something and, and somebody would be like, oh, that's bad. And he'd be like, no, that's good. And, and it just went back and forth like that. You remember that bit? Yeah, they I did do remember every, that bit. Just about every show, yeah. Of course. And then there was, a, there was some kind of soap opera... Where mm-hmm. they were all sitting on the couch. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, your memory is better than mine about hee-haw. <laughs> what I definitely remember is that they had this one bit where there's a bunch of guys just uh, waxing on about some topic or another and had very scantily clad women in the background lounging on old sofas and, and uh, porches. <laughs> Even at my young age, I was like, hey, that's a little, that's a little racy. Hey, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm, huh. I'm I'm feeling that's, some that's I'm feeling funny. some early stirrings in my uh, my youthful loins. What's going on here? <laughs> that's funny. I don't think I ever cared about any of the girls that were on the show. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course. I must have course. watched it when I was a little older. I can remember. I I thought the Hager twins are cute. <laughs> 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 but I that's yeah. funny because okay. it's like. 
I always think of myself as figuring out I was gay when I was about 12 or, or, or so when I hit puberty. And I know I watched that show when I was younger, but I don't remember. I remember there were scantily clad girls, but, uh, you know, I never was. It was never did anything for me. Well, you know, that <laughs> it just goes to show you, man. There it is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's true. You know what? You know, you know what, even if you don't know. Yeah. You know what mystified me? How in the hell did Buck Owens keep that hat on the back of his head so firmly? I swear he did not put his hat on the top of his head. It was sitting literally on the back of his hat as if they had put some bobby pins on there to hold his hat in place. I don't know what the hell was going it's on. Probably, it was probably Velcro or duct tape. They probably had to duct tape that on his head. Uh, duct tape, definitely. <laughs> Couldn't have been Velcro, or unless he had a, a a super secret in with NASA at the time, because I don't even think it was available yeah. to the general public at the time. That's true. I don't. When did Velcro come out? Was it the eighties before Velcro was a thing? I don't know. I guess it probably was. Yeah, probably. I, yeah. I remember. I remember when it started to. It took the place of zippers in swim trunks and stuff for a while. That's true. Or forever, really. That's what. That's the first place I remember seeing it. Yes, and then in like shorts and stuff. Right, and then it uh, moved on to shoes. I don't think I ever had a pair of Velcro shoes though. Oh, that's right. I wonder if that's the first place I saw it. I don't remember ever having a pair of Velcro shoes either, but I may have because I never really. Here we go with uh, strange and um, sad uh, admissions with uh, (laughs) Lodger. I I never really learned how to tie a shoe. Really? I, hmm. I yeah, I always I always used the thing where you uh made two bunny ears and tied them together. Yeah. Instead of doing a real loop or not. I I just couldn't get it. I it, there were some things I couldn't get as a kid that I'm like, "Wow, dude, you were awkward and weird." Like <laughs> I could have never roller skated as a child. Roller skating was like we, I just, I had no coordination to, to do something like that. Hmm. Um, that's why I didn't play a lot of sports. But yeah, I never learned to tie my shoes. So, of course, for, from the earliest age I could, I wore slip-ons. Any, any shoe that you didn't have to tie, I wanted. Wow. And I'm sure when Velcro shoes came out, I must have had a pair because that would have been, you know, Very convenient. Easy. That would yeah. have been exactly what I wanted. Yeah, sure. yeah. You're still a big fan so, of the uh, slip-on shoe. I think your Vans are I slip-ons, am. right? I am, yeah. Yeah, I don't wear, I don't have any, I only have a couple pair of shoes that lace up and I never wear them. I have a pair of, uh, are they Dockers, I think, or Doc Martens or something that I that lace up, but I, I, I haven't worn those for years. And uh-huh. yeah, I always wear Vans or, or slip-on shoes that are like dress shoes for work. Yeah, I think like you fancy places. You probably started wearing Vans back in your skateboarding days when you're hanging out with Tony Hawks. Oh yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Taught him everything I, uh, he knew was, in the swimming pool. I, uh, skateboarders wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh I remember when I first wore Vans in the 80s, they weren't real Vans. They were the cheap generic knockoffs. Oh, I didn't know there were cheap, I didn't, cheap generic knockoffs yeah. of Vans. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Even the black and white check ones like I like. Wow. Because I, I, I couldn't have afforded a real pair of Vans back in the day. Unless I got a pair somewhere that was like, uh, you know, on sale somehow. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they were just generic, generic ones. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Now, these kind of shoes were very, very popular when I was in grade school. There were a... I think it was made by Converse, 
and it looked like a track shoe. It was like black shoe with white stripes and had a very, very thin sole, just like a track shoe does. You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember what they were called, but I think Converse made Hmm. them, and everybody wore those shoes in grade school back in the 70s, you know, when I was Oh, yeah, we were poor. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of stuff like other kids had. No, well... I don't... Believe you me, these were not expensive shoes. You know, we went down to the the shoe world in downtown LaGrange, Texas, <laughs> to purchase shoes. So I assure you, they were not expensive shoes. Hmm. Uh, but I, I, I maybe I that was a te- know what I wore as a kid. Yeah, that must have been a Texas thing. I don't know if anybody maybe out so. there maybe who's so. you know around my age who went to school in the went to grade school in the seventies. Uh, did you ever wear those Converse black and white uh, track shoes? When I say track shoes, they didn't have spikes on the bottom. They were just a very thin-soled, lightweight running shoe. So anyway, hmm. send us an you email. Know, me- send us an email at <laughs> slope at ltvpod.com or just go to our uh, Facebook page, A Slippery Slope, and uh, give me a shout-out. Post let a me, picture let me know. of yourself in those <laughs> shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking we don't promote the, we don't we don't promote the fa- well maybe you have an old one we don't promote the Facebook page on the show much and I was thinking yeah this is a great opportunity to promote the Facebook page and say hey come post on the page and tell us what you think of the show and post pictures if you've got pictures of something we talk about if you got a picture of you sitting in front of the TV watching Hee Haw when you're a kid <laughs> well, post it on the goddamn Facebook page <laughs> right and uh, <laughs> make sure that you like our page so we get a good indication of how many listeners we actually have it helps us a lot yeah. just to kind of gauge yeah. to know how much effort we actually need to put into this show because <laughs> <laughs> right now we're coasting because because nobody's <laughs> listening so it's just like ah oh, whatever let's talk about hee-haw let's talk about shoes fuck it <laughs> right we we have anywhere from 30 to 200 listeners it's hard to tell sometimes yeah. You know what's it odd? Is. It is. I've uh, noticed uh, uh, our online analytics telling me that we have some listeners in France somewhere and Costa Rica hmm. of all places, and we know we've got hmm. we know we've got at least one listener in Mexico and uh, a whole oh, lot yes. a yes. whole lot more here in the United States. But it's of hard course. to know exactly yeah. who all those people are. So you know, give us a little feedback, and uh, you know, it helps us out. So we kind of know. Who we're performing to? Hey, you might. Yeah, even... you can even tell us you hate us. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true too. You know, I don't think you've uh, actually arrived until you receive your first hate mail. Yeah, that's so. when I'll know the podcast is real. <laughs> yes, when we get our first hate mail. Exactly. To so to all our our, our French listeners out there, je suis le grand canard, which means I'm I, a I'm a I'm a big river? What does that mean? I'm a big duck. <laughs> oh, I'm a big duck. <laughs> oh, Cunard. I was thinking you said like uh, canal, like a canal. Oh, well, uh, you know how you... I don't know. My, you, know, you know how in French you don't, you know, you don't pronounce the uh, last letter, so it was like canal. No, I don't. I don't canard. know anything about French. Yeah, if you do it phonetically, it's canard, but you don't pronounce mm-hmm. the D, so it's canal. Is that on every... Uh, Every word or just certain words? 
pretty much every French word. If it's got a consonant at the, the end, you, you chop that son of a bitch off. It's crazy. Well, why the fuck would you do that? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Goddamn French people. I don't know. <laughs> I think, As if English made any fucking sense. Well, that's true, too. Of course, you know, English is such an amalgam of so many other languages, you know, it's hard to keep track of uh, how many different yeah. words come from different origins. It's crazy. Yes. Hey, well, to get uh, – go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted oh, okay. you. Okay. Well, I don't know. Your, your, your voice is fading out a little bit, so I was about to tell you oh. to get closer to the mic. Oh, we were talking about, you know, things we did in our childhood and stuff. When you were growing up, did you have a fantasy of, like, being in a band, being a rock star? I know I did. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you – Oh, you, I, I – Mm-hmm. I wrote lyrics and made rec- made album covers and, and – uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had imaginary. I uh, my my best band was called my favorite of all my bands was called David Lodger's Hallucination because it was a complete hallucination on my part. <laughs> okay. Well, but but some of that some of those songs that you wrote, I think you actually recorded at some point in time on a tape player or something, and and ultimately it ended up on SoundCloud, didn't it? Yeah, there is there is some stuff on SoundCloud. Under I can't I think it's under Lodger X Lodger, but I can't remember okay. what it's under exactly. All um, right. So yeah, some of those songs are on there. Most of the songs that are on there are songs that I recorded when I I did some here in in Austin a couple years ago oh. in my apartment, of course, uh, using Audacity, which is a program that is like a multi-track recording program which is what i think you used to make the show right yeah we're recording uh, a slippery slope on audacity as we speak yeah. yeah and some of them i recorded when i worked at radio stations using the uh, production facilities there um it's all basically me singing to instrumental songs ah okay. and some some of them are kind of good and some of them are kind of horrible there and then there is a band when i was a, when i was um when i was say 18 17 uh, me and two friends recorded like five songs in my garage in one night. My, one of my friends played guitar, the other one played bongos, and then I sang. Oh, that's um, cool. And so that band is called Dead Eddie. Um, and I really love those songs. I can't imagine anyone else really spending too much time listening to them. But um, but I, I consider that my garage band, so... Right. I I, I, yeah. I believe that uh, I heard some of that stuff on SoundCloud, some of your Dead Eddie stuff for sure. Yeah, it's not... I mean, I'm, I don't think it's that bad for three guys in a garage in the middle of the night, uh, you know. We, we got five... Really, of the five songs, probably four of them, I think, are pretty decent, solid songs, so... All right, cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay, the reason I, I bring this up is... Did you ever attempt to play an instrument, or maybe you actually played an instrument at some point in time? Not really. Not okay. really. I I played, um, I, you know, I've played around with different musical instruments, but I've never, I never took any kind of lessons or seriously tried to play anything. Okay. Um, it's it's all just been kind of goofing around. Right. Um, yeah. Why did you? Well. Throughout my life, I have always wanted to and have attempted to play the guitar. I mean, you know, starting as a real little kid, getting a, you know, a cheap plastic guitar with nylon strings for Christmas that never stayed in tune, which there's no way in hell I would have ever learned to play the guitar then. But then, you know, it seems like 
every decade since then, <laughs> I've I've put forth an attempt to to play the guitar. I mean, I think you know maybe when I was in uh, high school, I got an acoustic guitar and I would plunk around on it for uh, a few months and then just you know put it down and never touch it again. And it seems like it's a it's a it happens every ten years. I, I I attempt to do it. Of course, I never take lessons. I always try to self teach. I I don't know how many different you know teach yourself guitar books that I have laying around uh, my house right now. And uh, when I first moved to the Austin area, I bought an electric guitar and uh, tried to attempt to to play it. And I don't know. I just I wonder if, you know, you either have the knack to do it or you don't. Or maybe I just, for some reason, I'm too ADHD and I, I get bored trying to learn because I, I want to get to a point where I'm proficient and I'm, I'm just too uh, impatient to put in the time. And I think that's probably what it is because it's, you know, it's not rocket science, but uh, it's, yeah, it's well, definitely, it definitely an art, you know. It requires attention. I mean, it requires some dedication to, you know, you've got to spend time, which is why so many people learn it when they're young, when they have a lot of more free time to, to noodle, as they say. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, to, to if you really wanted to do it, you would just have to dedicate yourself to it with the same kind of fervor that you dedicate yourself to, you know, I don't know what, a job or, or like we do to this podcast or what. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I um, mean, you'd have, it, it would have to be, a, take up a large portion of your free time yeah. while you work for a living. Well, that's the thing. And, uh, you know, before we started doing the podcast there for, I don't know, a couple of months, I had got this um, program for my iPhone called Musician which does step-by-step lessons, you know, starting from nothing, working up and up. And mm. and I, I was, you know, I was kind of slowly getting some skills. and But then I kind of, again, you know, ADHD kicks in and I, I get bored with it. And then I was like, ah, oh, no, I want to do a podcast. <laughs> and so... So here we are, and so, <laughs> so here we are. So somehow I need to to maybe integrate trying to practice maybe you know an hour a day on the guitar and and getting to some level of proficiency because I don't know it's just what I want to do. So there, right? Yeah. Well, you should. I mean, you should definitely give it your best effort. But yeah, yeah I've I've just never found myself so. Uh, especially as you know, as now as I've gotten older, I've never found myself being like I wanted to play keyboards a little bit when I was younger, and I still think I could probably. I mean, I still think I could noodle around enough on the keyboards to to do okay. Certainly to play a synthesizer, you you know, you just need to know how it works more than really anything else. Right. You, you know, I like it would be fun to play the theremin. I think I could play with the theremin Ooh. for a while and make some interesting <laughs> be, noises. Yeah, that'd be fun. But uh, but I just don't. Yeah, I don't have the definitely don't have the um, the dedication that it would require to to become anywhere near good on something like the guitar. I, and I guess too, I've never had the the desire uh, to learn guitar. I know a lot of people do. Um, for me, it would be key. If I was going to take lessons or spend any time, it would be keyboards. And I think I realized too at a at a fairly young age that my hands are tiny. I have the tiniest man hands in the world. Um, <laughs> for so for me to play keyboards is would really be it would be difficult at best. You know, to be really good as like a pianist or something. Well, I don't know. Which leads me. 
which leads me to my my two uh, my two uh, smart ass answers. I was going to tell you when, okay. usually when people ask me if I play play an instrument. Of course, the first smart ass answer when somebody asks you, "Do you play an instrument?" It's like, "Yes, I play the skin flute." <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then, like, how did I know you were going to say that? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That was just, you know, but you set me up for that one. And then the second one, people will be like, do you play an instrument? And I'll be like, I, I, I play records. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. There are people who have made whole careers by, by spinning records and scratching them. More and more now and now these days. Uh, absolutely. That, that reminds me, speaking of records, one of the things I wanted to mention on the show yeah. is, um, you know, a couple episodes ago, it's been several actually, we talked about the, uh, the, the record store here in town, End of an Ear. Yes. Um, and that they are on South First, but they're in a building that is going to get torn down and um, they're having to move. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we kept thinking that was going to happen sometime soon. And it looks like it's uh, – they've actually posted a couple pictures on their um, social media pages showing uh, their new store that they've bought right. that uh, in its state right now, which is empty. And uh, it's going to be on um, – on the south side, uh, on Ben White, really like a block away from where Casino's south side, Casino El Camino south side is. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, so it's going to be over in that neighborhood, and I'm like, great, we can go to go to End of Veneer and look around and then drive a block or walk a block and go to Casino El Camino and have oh, a couple drinks. Wow, that sounds like a that sounds like a fun day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. So yeah, I saw you posted uh, some pictures of their new space on our uh, Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, I shared that from their from their Facebook page. So yeah, I was right. excited to see that they're you know for a while I thought it, did things change? Are they not going to have to move now? What's going on? Because right. the original impression was it was going to happen sooner rather than later. And I you know I, I guess they've gotten more time to make the transition. So I, I do believe it's going to be within the next couple months here, but mm-hmm. it's a good thing that they didn't have to really try and have to hurry and, and get forced out quickly or anything. Well, cool. Good to hear yeah. the news about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. All right. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, shall we talk about what else we did in Austin this week? I think we should. We had a really great night last weekend on friday night we went to the austin film society screening room here in town which is called the marquesa and um we saw a amazing crazy weird fucked up fun 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 movie called kamikaze 89 starring rayner Werner fassbender yes oh my Ah, and what a movie it was it was it was so much fun. Sierra went with us, and I, I don't know. I think Sierra probably was a little bored with it, but I uh, had the time of my life. Yeah, well, I, I, think, the, I think the problem might have lied in the fact that we went to uh, Enchiladas y Mas before we went to the movie and stuffed ourselves with wonderful uh, fajitas from there. Oh, my goodness. What a great place oh, to eat. The food there was amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then enchiladas uh, y mas on uh, on Anderson Lane. Right. Yeah. That's that place has been there for decades and is amazingly popular. Every time you go, it's it's a packed house. 
it's always a, a waiting oh, yeah. list to get in, and uh, for a good reason. The food is amazing. Enchiladas y mas. That, that was my first uh, time there, and um, you guys recommended the fajitas, so I got chicken fajitas. And I'm telling you, all week long this week, I've been craving them because they were <laughs> so good. Right. They were good, and they were probably uh, probably top three chicken fajitas I've ever had in my life, maybe top, maybe wow. top of the list. Yeah. They, they were just really good. We got the. And then uh, they give you, of course, all the extras. Right. Sierra and I got the uh, combination fajita plate for two. And uh, oh my God. Yeah, the beef is, is just as wonderful as the uh, chicken. Man. Well, th- how do we get Enchiladas Thank y Mas to sponsor us? <laughs> I know, right? And bring us free food when we yeah, record the show. That'd be great. Um, I. It was good that we had eaten because uh, if I had seen Kamikaze 89 uh, without having eaten first and had to watch Fassbender eat that sandwich, I don't know <laughs> if I could have. <laughs> oh, oh, the point. The po- <laughs> yeah, the point I was trying to make is that uh, probably about three quarters into the movie, Sierra kind of uh, fell asleep. So. <laughs> Oh, did she? Oh, yeah. I didn't know. I was well, I was having a good time. Yeah, I, I, mean, I knew that I knew it wasn't really her kind of movie. I don't think it's right. a, it's an, a, it's definitely a, a, a you need a special kind of a, a taste buds for. I can't think of what I'm trying to say. You know, you need to be you really want to have to see that movie to see that movie. Right. <laughs> you have you have to be primed for it, and it was uh, in German with English subtitles, so that's not everybody's cup of tea. And so I you know I can. Understand understand people who might be turned off by that but uh, uh, I've always been a fan of uh, foreign films and uh, these films from the I guess they call it the new German cinema are uh, fascinating yeah oh I've I you know I think I was we were talking when we were there I or actually not during the movie but before and after when uh, around 1990 when I really started getting into movies I read a a biography about of Fassbender called Love is Colder Than Death, which is also the name of one of his movies. Uh-huh. And he's such a fucking interesting person. And mm. I had never seen any of his movies. I think I bought the book at Half Price Books for like $4 or something because I was just trying to learn as much as I could about movies back in the 90s. Yeah. And, um, um, and so you read his biography, and the man made something like 36 movies in – 15 years or something or less than that uh he made a shit ton of movies it was a crazy amount of movies and i think probably at that time uh, the german government was uh funding a lot of these movies in the uh the 70s there was some kind of national film program or something but i don't know how much of that I mean, if Fassbender used that, he would have used it at the beginning because right. definitely his at a certain point, his films really caught on in, in America and worldwide, and right. he certainly didn't need anyone to fund his films. I mean, you know, it, it didn't have to use government funding to make his films. But I think, yes, that same system brought us directors like uh, Vim Vendors, and I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but there's more Herzog, from Germany around that Werner time. Herzog. Herzog, yeah, my least favorite director of all time <laughs> oh and, yeah uh, one of these days we're gonna go and go in depth on that topic about uh verna herzog herzog yeah let's talk about fassbender he's much more interesting yeah okay um, now we we need to so, say that um, uh, kamikaze 89 was not directed by uh fassbender it was directed by uh wolf grimm and uh so okay and fassbender was only acting in this movie yes yes he there, wears a crazy leopard skin 
suit throughout <laughs> most of it. Right. He plays a police detective. And yes, it's set in. So it was filmed in like 81, 80. Um, I think Fassbender died in 82 or 81. Right. So it was filmed and I think he died before it came out. Um, yeah, and I'm, it's I'm, set I'm, in 89. Right. Well. At least according to the title. Of course, it's being only seven years into the future. It's it's almost like an alternate reality world. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like Max Headroom. It's like five minutes in the future or fifteen minutes in the future yeah, or whatever. Pretty much. Yeah, it, it it. But there are actually some interesting special effects. I mean, they spent money on this movie. This movie wasn't isn't a isn't like a, a low budget independent film. Well, it is, but it wasn't like they just kind of did some things to. To make it seem like it's slightly in the future, they did right. a lot of things to turn automobiles into more futuristic-looking things, and True. buildings, and 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 costumes and things. Um, so they did. It's it's really fun as a kind of uh, uh, science fiction movie, for lack of a better word, from the '80s, set slightly in the future. I mean, it's yeah. just in, to me, every frame is interesting to look at. There's something weird going on almost right. all the time in this movie. I mean, it's, I, I didn't get bored at all. <laughs> no, no, neither did I. I mean, it's you know, it's got that whole dystopian future vibe, kind of like uh, Blade Runner does. And a matter of fact, uh, the soundtrack uh, "Tangerine Dream" uh, contributed quite a bit That's too. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, it definitely had a, a Blade Runner feel, even though the, the story is nothing like Blade Runner, but it's still that dystopian future ruled by this organization called the Combine that controls all TV and news. And, you know, they've even got this long-running TV show. It's like a, a, a laughter competition or something <laughs> threaded through the entire yes. movie. It's crazy. Yeah, just craziness all, all the way through. Really fun and uh, different and unique. And it's one of the ones, too, that it was out of kind of out of print. You could, you know, if you were going to watch it, you would have to find an old VHS tape of it somewhere. Uh, oh. And, um, you know, it wasn't one of those ones that when you'd go to, you know, when when um, um, places would do Fassbender uh, uh, retrospectives, mm -hmm. it wasn't one that got shown a lot. Once it came out, I don't think it got shown much at all. It probably came out on VHS probably in Germany, maybe in America at some point, but someone and God damn it. I can't remember who has, has taken it and remastered it. Oh. And so we saw it on a, on a digital format, I think 4k they said, and, yeah. um, and it looked great, looked fantastic. Oh, it was, it was terrific. So, so here's another thing I wanted to mention. So I wanted to talk about the Marquesa a little bit. Good idea, um, because it's yeah. an interesting screening mm -hmm. room here in Austin and just a great – I just love – you know, the Alamo Draft House started here. The Alamo Draft House, seeing a movie there is an event unto itself. I don't care what movie you see at the Alamo. It's a cool experience. Mm -hmm. um, and the Marquesa is one of those places that for years living in Austin, I was like, why is there not – some kind of a screening room for films that isn't set up as a business to make a lot of money that is set up as something for film fans like there are tons of in Austin and film students like there are tons of in Austin yeah. to go see movies that you just don't get to see anywhere else and that's kind of what the Marquesa does they show yeah. a lot of things you're you're not going to see uh, any new movies or any uh you know, they're not going to show I'm well, I don't know. You know, they could do different things. But I was going to be like, you know, they're not going to show Gene Wilder died. They're not going to show Willy Wonka, but they might. But you never know. It's going to be more 
little known independent um, film festival foreign film type films. I would that, think that so. they show there. It's right. it's just a one room screen. It's just they just have one screen, um, and uh, uh, it's it's you know it's not they have a snack bar and everything of course, but it's not run necessarily like a. Uh, I don't want to say not like a professional movie theater, but it's not run like a a well, commercial movie theater. No, it's, it's run it, like it, a film art house. festival screening. Well, it's an art yeah. house. Absolutely. Well, basically, you're right. Yeah, there there were a couple things that it left a little to be desired. It was hot in there. They really needed to turn the AC oh, down. Yeah, yeah. That probably added to why Sierra got sleepy. Also, is that uh, yeah, it was just yeah. warm in there. That's for sure. It was a little too warm, and um, um, my, my milk duds got a little melty, but they didn't melt all the way. So uh, thank goodness. And then um, <laughs> melted they in had your a, belly. A bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a bar and snack bar. They sold popcorn. The popcorn was really bad, in my opinion. Oh, really? Oh, that's <laughs> too bad. Yeah, yeah. I was expecting real movie theater type popcorn, and it just was. It mm-hmm. was just. Uh, and they, you know, they had butter, but I don't like butter on popcorn. Right. But mine didn't have any salt on it either, and I was like, oh, yeah. this needs salt really badly. Well, and uh, so it was just kind of flavorless. Well, the good thing was they did serve alcohol. I mean, it was. Kind of limited in what your the selection was, but uh, at least it was available, so that's cool. Yeah, well, and that was the other thing. You know, I paid ten dollars a piece for us to go, and uh, which you know you bought dinner, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and they they gave each of us two free drink tickets that were were good for a, a drink that was priced at three fifty. So really, we had seven dollars worth of alcohol. Absolutely, <laughs> and yeah, it was a good deal. And, uh, so basically, you just paid three dollars to to for the movie. So. Right. That was cool. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and and the guy who was serving the popcorn was kind of cute, so that's always good too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I kind of no- kind of noticed you uh, winking at him a few times. Nah, you weren't winking well, at him. Well, he but... <laughs> looked. I know, but I flirted with him a little. But um, he just looked really familiar. I should have asked him. Mm. Or I think I've either seen him at like the Austin Film Festival or at. Um, some other local film things. Um, I just feel like I'd seen him before somewhere. He looked really familiar, and um, uh, and he was, you know, he was a nice guy and everything. So that was he was fun to flirt with. So. Did he resemble? A, <laughs> did he resemble a, a celebrity that you could uh, call him by? Did, did we say? I can't remember now. I, I don't know. I was just wondering if. Oh, okay. You know how we have um, a tendency to do that when we don't know somebody's name, oh. we just give him, you know, <laughs> kind of like yeah, Gary yeah. Davenport being Larry Storch, and you know the the guy from Slugbug that you call uh, Bud Court's bastard, bastard son. son. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So, okay. You didn't yeah. Know him before. No. So, yeah. He he I he did he did kind of look like someone, but I don't remember who. So anyway. <laughs> okay. Oh. But, Here's a question about the Marquesa. Is it still called the Marquesa, or is it now just called the AFS Cinema? Well, I don't know. I thought they still called called it the Marquesa, but I I could be wrong. I know they definitely it's branded as uh, AFS at, when you see signage and things, uh-huh. and it's a little difficult. They don't have a big sign outside or anything, although they do have a marquee. Um, yeah, I do. took a picture of the marquee, but I can't remember. If it said AFS on there or if it said Marquesa. Okay, well, um, it, we'll, we'll look it up off the air later. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I'll have to look at the – I'll post the picture yeah. on the Facebook page and, so, and see if I can right. see what it says. For people who want to know, it's in the uh, – what's it called? The Link Shopping Center? Yeah. used to be mm-hmm. called – Right to be there called, on uh-huh. uh, Middle Fiskville? Yeah, on Middle Fiskville Road near the where Highland Mall was or is or – 
Right. So, uh, and it's just uh, we realized it's just down the street from uh, the Galaxy Ten, which is a, a commercial movie theater here in town. And of course, it's just uh, uh, on the other side of the building from the uh, Viva. Is it Viva restaurant? Vivo. Vivo. Yeah. Vivo Mexican Vivo, restaurant, mm-hmm. which we have eaten at before, which is also very good. Uh, that's true. The other thing about the the Fassbender screening was there was a pretty good darn turnout there. Oh yeah, people showed up. You know, yeah, it wasn't. I you know the the screening room there is. I of course the screening room isn't stadium seating. It's just a, a old school looking movie theater. Kind of reminded me a little bit of what the Alamo Draft House looked like, except they don't serve food in there. But I mean, just you know, some black curtains, a screen, and uh, um, and and standard movie theater seats from before uh, stadium seating days. Right. Um, and it it probably holds a couple hundred people. I would imagine that theater holds two to two fifty somewhere there around there, and yeah. there had to be fifty to seventy people there for the screening. So I thought that I was, a, you know, I wasn't sure how many people would come out for that movie because it's a it's a pretty obscure one, but yeah, but it did uh, it did have a pretty good turnout, right? And, well, you um, know, the members of the AFS obviously you know know about it and most of them show up i'm sure they get discounts on tickets and things and plus just people like us who happen to notice it and wanted to come see it you know uh i remember being a member of afs back in the early 2000s and saw a lot of a lot of really good movies and so i may join again well you know they were showing they showed some coming attractions while we were there too and they're doing a um they're doing a screening of movies by i think her name is Chantel ackerman i i could be wrong on that name but it's a french female filmmaker who's who's made kind of um independent films uh, in the 70s and 80s i guess she's done it for quite a while right. I, I don't know uh, again someone i really had never heard of don't know anything about but kind of i wish i had more time to go see one of her movies because yeah. some of them looked really interesting. It did and look interesting, was, um, the one we saw, or the segment that we saw. It's like hyper-realism. Yeah, it was like a force, uh, a split-screen four ways with this woman kind of cooking dinner. Right. It was really it was really interesting. You wanted to know what was going on in this movie. Oh, exactly. Um, and uh, they showed an, a preview for a Asian film, and uh, I can't remember. It was what the filmmaker's name was but um it seemed really interesting and so here the guy who got up and introduced kamikaze 89 yeah um d- did the thing that i hate that almost everyone who gets up and introduces a film does <laughs> what's that and that is he didn't he didn't say who the fuck he was that oh. just drives me crazy if you're going to get up in front of a group of people and introduce a movie who the fuck are you tell me right um i think he was assuming know, he was assuming that you know everybody there was an afs member or something and already knew him for, for some reason or another but yeah i agree well, with you people are more dumb to assume that right people are more likely to listen <laughs> to you when they know who you are i mean it's just uh it's a give and take thing that people do with communication well you know that's how john christensen and i really kind of met he yeah. introduced a film at the austin film festival when he was the assistant programmer and I saw a bunch of films and people would just get up and some of them were just the house manager. Some of them were just the person who was volunteering that was there for the day to help out and get and keep things organized. But yeah. you would st- you you should still get up and say, hey, my name's Bob and I, uh, I'm, I'm the house manager today at the theater. Fine. Yeah. And then do your announcements. So I know who you are. Um, but John Christensen, of course, got up and said, hey, my name is John Christensen and we're going to see this great film and just really was excited about it. And when yeah. someone does that, it mm-hmm. makes you 
excited about seeing the movie. Absolutely. You know, and that's what that's what I wrote on my website after mm-hmm. I saw what and I don't even remember what movie it was, but I wrote yeah. about how great it was finally someone who got up in front of the audience and and genuinely made me excited to see what the fuck we were, were going to see. What's this movie, you know? Right. In film festivals, you're you're taking a chance a lot of times just on a small synopsis and a title. Mm-hmm. And so um, so anyway, yeah, I was really frustrated because the guy who got up and gave the introduction to the uh, Kamikaze 89 really got me excited about the movie. He did a great job. And I was just like, I wonder who the fuck this guy is. Hi. Hi, I'm random fuck off the street. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's true. I, you know, it's it's just to me, it's just a, it's just one of those things that I wish more people who introduce films did because, you just, for some reason I don't know, it just makes your whole their whole job is to get you excited about seeing the movie and and yeah. um, it would be nice to know who are you? Why should I trust your opinion of this movie even though I'm there and I've paid my money to see it? You know, tell me who you are and I'm like if you're if you're like oh I work for the Austin Film Society and my name's Bob. Well, okay, great. You <laughs> you already have some cachet in my opinion because you you're part of the Austin Film Society. Right. Anyway. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, um, you, if you're going to be a film fluffer, you should introduce yourself first. <laughs> That's definitely true. Well, okay. the other reason I think, the other reason I think, you know, like I say, John, when John did it for, for the one time I saw him introduce a film, he did it fantastically. And yeah. when someone does it, and the best person I've ever seen do it is Harry Knowles. When Harry Knowles oh. gets up in front of a movie audience and introduces a film, you are, you can't wait to see that movie when he stops talking. He sells it, because, and I think only because he only does it for films he really likes likes but mm. you know he he really does a great job of it by the time he's yeah. finished talking you're like fuck i can't wait for the film to start and and that's you know that's a that's a really cool uh, thing to do and it makes going to movies even more fun and so anyway yeah it's it's all about the charisma yeah, yeah. It, it makes yeah, all the difference you know, it really making, does sure it's about making it an event you know it's about making mm-hmm. it an event you know that because Anyway, a point well taken and well stated by you. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to mention about Kamikaze '89, and I think I pointed it out to you uh, when we were watching it, and it was uh, a minor role in the movie played by um, Franco Nero. Oh yeah, he played. Yeah. Uh, he played the one-eyed guy, the guy with the the frosted lens on his glasses. And um, ah, yes, yes. But if you don't know who Franco Nero was, he was a huge actor in the '70s. He, you know, he started off, I think, doing like spaghetti western. He was the original Django, uh, and when they did J- ah. Django Unchained in 2012, he played uh, a, a a bit part in that movie. Also, as kind of a Easter egg for people who had remember the original Django from 1960, oh, wow. 1966. And uh, wow, I didn't realize that. That's yeah, cool. Supposedly, as an actor, he was discovered by uh, director John Huston. And he like ended up getting put in a movie called The Bible in the beginning, back in 1966. And uh, oh, wow! So uh, you know, I just thought it was an interesting thing that you would have this big actor, and he was a he was a very well known actor, especially in '82 when he was in uh, Kamikaze '89. I mean, my God, he was in um, Camelot back in 1967. If you remember that, he played Lancelot. Oh yeah. And, uh, his, oh wow! His co-star was uh, Vanessa Redgrave, and they actually became uh, uh, companions for many years after that. You know, he was a big deal. 
Hmm. Uh, he, wow, he, I didn't he, know that. He was in Force 10 from Navarone. Uh, he was also in... I'm sure I've seen him in stuff, yeah. Right, he was in uh, Fastbender's uh, Quirrell, you know. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on Quirrell. It's only a one-hour <laughs> show. Okay, well, maybe we'll... <laughs> or a 90-minute show or whatever. Maybe we'll have to screen uh, that together one time and then talk about it. Okay, that'd, that'd be now talk cool. about... That one might put me to sleep. Me and Sierra will be sleeping in on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, Okay. But uh, anyway, Corel is Corel uh, is at the the I do believe it's number one of my on my list of worst movies of all time. Oh, it might be two or three, but I, really? I do believe it's number one. Yeah, okay. it's horrible. And we and we <laughs> we have to note that Quirrell was uh, Fassbender's um, last movie that he directed. And yes. matter of fact, he he never lived to see the screening of it. Yes, and and uh, it may have been an early cut of it that killed him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Very likely. <laughs> here's my uh, here's my favorite thing about Corel. There's a, and I don't even know if I'm saying it right. A Corel, Quirrell. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. Um, yeah. But Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol saw a screening of it and said. And I can't remember who he was talking to, but he said, oh, I love that movie. I think he was talking to someone involved in the movie. Maybe it was Brad Davis, the actor. And okay. he said, oh, I, lo I love that. I love that movie. It made me hot all day. And they were like, oh, that should be the poster right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you know, it's funny because after um, we went and saw that on uh -huh. Friday night at the start of the Labor Day weekend. Right. Uh, after that, I just saw a ton of weird movies. Okay. Um, <laughs> just because just because um, you wanted to, or just happened to be so. It just kind of happened to be that way. Okay. Um, the the weirdest of the weird was a movie I had never heard of before, uh, that they showed on Turner Classic Movies at, in the middle of the night. I think it was the on Saturday night, like their underground films or whatever. But it was a movie called Zardoz with Sean Connery. <laughs> Have you ever seen this movie? Zardoz. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That... I really I read the little blurb about it and I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot thinking oh, I'll oh. fall asleep in the middle of this. Oh, no, you can't fall asleep no. in the middle of this. Oh, my God. <laughs> you it remember, is you... weird as fuck. Yeah. Afterwards, you're definitely saying, oh, my brain's been eaten. <laughs> it is. It is a true mind fuck of a movie. That's for sure. It's it's one of those ones that's just so weird. You're like, how, well, it's directed by um, is it John Borman? Is he the guy who directed yes. Deliverance? John, uh, because maybe I don't know. John Borman definitely did Zardoz, though. Yes. Okay, because I was reading that he got the chance to do it. Well, there was two things. One was he got the they let him do it because he had made Deliverance, and Deliverance had made so much fucking money they kind of gave him a carte blanche to make whatever he wanted next. Uh. Is what I, is what they say anyway. What I read online, and then also apparently he had at that point he was trying to make a uh, he was trying to adapt the Lord of the Rings into a movie script oh. and was having real difficulty doing it. So mm -hmm. he abandoned that project and decided to write his own kind of mythical story. Fantasy, science fiction fantasy. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So, um, and uh, it's just weird, weird, weird. <laughs> you know, what gets me is starring Sean Connery. And I'm one, and I was saying to myself when I first saw this, he gave up being James Bond for this? 
<laughs> I know, right? He run, and he runs around in like this little skimpy outfit. And as, if there's anyone I don't want to see in a skimpy outfit, it's Sean Connery circa 1970. What was this? 75, 73? Let's, uh, yeah, 74. Uh, so let's be honest. Uh, it was a red diaper. He was wearing a red diaper. <laughs> it was a red diaper. It was. It's, it's just hideously ugly. And he's, of course, I, I've never thought of Sean. I know some women and men think Sean Connery is just amazingly sexy and handsome. Rug, he's um, ruggedly handsome and probably but, one, one of the hairiest actors in Hollywood. Yes, yes. <laughs> there was hair There was hair coming out everywhere from that diaper. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm afraid so. Bushy. Yeah. It was bushy down there. But yeah. it's but it is it is definitely, you know, there are a lot of weird movies in the world and there's certainly a lot of weird ones I have not seen. There's a movie called Have you ever heard of a movie called Holy Mountain? Holy Mountain? No, I can't say. There's a there yeah. used to be a music venue in Austin called Holy Mountain, but I don't think I it's, wonder if it's named after this movie Maybe. I don't I've know. seen I've seen clips of Holy Mountain. I've had people tell me about it. Um, my nephew was the first person who told me about it, and he hasn't seen it. He only saw – I think there was some some things going around on YouTube a couple of years ago of just some a few scenes from it. But it's a, hmm. it's a weird movie that is high on my list of movies I'd like to see, and I should just buy the DVD and be done with it. All but right. – um, there, there, you know, there's certainly a fuckload of weird ass movies out there to see, and I had never heard of Zardoz. I, yeah. and it, it is, it is definitely, it's got to be top ten if you're looking for something weird as fuck. Oh yeah. I would put Zardoz pretty close to the, you know, wow. definitely, definitely in the top ten, don't you think? Oh Does yeah. Does it get weirder than that movie? God, from the opening scene, it's weird as hell. You got this giant yes, yes. stone head flying through the air <laughs> and landing. <laughs> And making pronouncements to to these dirty well, well people go people <laughs> well people go Zardoz oh yeah and Zardoz. then he says he's like the gun is good the penis is evil the penis the penis shoots seeds that destroys the world the gun purifies the world. <laughs> Oh my God! I can't believe you remember all that. Yes, yes, it's just yeah, and that's the start. That's how it starts. That's yes. just the first couple yeah, of minutes. It just that's keeps getting the, weirder and weirder. Yeah, that's within the first five minutes, and you're like, I'm in, I'm in. This is crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm totally in. Yes, yeah. And it has, and then of course it's got a lot of uh, titties in it. So if you if you if you ever get slightly bored, don't you won't have to wait too long for some titties. Oh yeah, there's and, lots uh, and lots of nudity in that that movie. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and even some. Uh, the, so it's like set in the future, kind of. I guess it's supposed to be. I don't know. And um, uh, there's yeah. even some. There's some thinly veiled homoeroticism in it, and I don't even it's, think it's, it's pretty progressive. I don't think it's even well, thinly yeah, veiled. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty some, some blatant homoeroticism. In yeah, it. definitely. You're right, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I mean, in that way, it's kind of interesting because it's certainly a very progressive for um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, if this movie I, it must have been widely released but I don't know how many people have seen it but it certainly seems like it would have been an odd movie for the mid 70s. Um yeah, I mean, maybe but, there were I can't even think of any other films like that at the time, you know. Um 
Yeah. Of course, of course I guess, you know, 2001 had come out a few years before that, and that's a very dense movie to watch as well. But, I mean, not to compare the two it, by any means, but... No, because, yeah, 2001 at least really kind of has a story, although the end is weird and, and right. somewhat un unintelligible or what do you call it when, when you can't uh when you can't decode it it's uncipherable uh, or yeah it's obtuse yes okay <laughs> yes um that's all i could come up with but all, but you know all of zardoz is obtuse it's completely obtuse from beginning oh to end. oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely although there is kind of a story if you can follow it. it there is a little bit of a story it is it is at the end, there's all this stuff with like mirrors and kaleidoscopes, and I'm like, is this an homage to the end of Lady from Shanghai or what? Oh, <laughs> but I think it was just weirdness. Yeah, it was a lot of weirdness to it. Yeah. Oh, I, I need to mention that a, a young Charlotte Rampling is in this movie. Is in it? That's right. Yes, yeah, so yes. That's a point of interest as well. So yeah, seeing her so, early yeah. career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. If you have not z- seen Zardov. Uh, and it's Zardoz, and it's Z-A-R-D-O-Z, and we won't spoil what that is, no. but you find out why it's called that mid-movie. Yes. Um, it's definitely worth your time to, to, to locate it and, and view it. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at just how crazy, wild, insane it is. Yeah, and the soundtrack's pretty good, too. Mostly, yeah, who did uh, the soundtrack? Do you was, know? Well, uh, I know that they the recurring theme was Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 7 and A. That's all I know, but... It's hmm. very, very imposing and menacing in that regard. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, to go over a couple of the other movies that I saw, just to, to gloss over them, because I know we, we I could talk for, about movies for hours. Sure. Uh, I saw a movie called Existence, which is a, or actually it's Existens, yeah, with which C. is a David Cronenberg for, for mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? I don't yeah, think I have. I I'd heard about it for years, and for some reason I didn't realize it was a Cronenberg film, okay. and I'm not a big Cronenberg fan. No. Um, I like Videodrome, but most of his stuff is a little too violent or weird for me, uh. and Exxxtens is uh, was actually pretty good. It was a really kind of an interesting movie. Not the best movie I ever saw, but weird enough to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, you got a short synopsis? Um, it's about it's about um, it's Jennifer Jason Lee and she plays this woman who is the premier video game uh, creator uh, in the and, and you get this sense that it's set slightly in the future. And um, the video games at that point actually plug into your spinal column. Uh, the controller does. I have so, seen this movie. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it, so and it's it, very weird. And it predates the Matrix by a decade at least. Oh yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, that was the other thing. I remember people talking about it ten years ago, saying how great it was, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize what I didn't realize what it was about at all. And I happened to think of it the other day, and it, they had it on Amazon for like six bucks or something, so I bought it. And um, so yeah, I, for you know, uh, even though I'm not a big Cronenberg fan, I thought this was one of his better movies, and and it is pretty pretty weird, but yeah. it's pretty interesting. And no, the, I know. And the plot is pretty interesting too. What it has, what it does, mm-hmm. uh, is pretty interesting. 
interesting. So yeah, I, li- I like the whole point of you know not necessarily knowing the the difference between fantasy and reality. I think it is yeah. one, one of the major yeah, things. Yes, yeah, that is definitely so. Uh, so yeah, it had a really good plot to it, um, and just unique. Different things happen in it, but it like like a lot of Cronenberg, there's some gross stuff in it. It's a little you know there's all kinds of little creatures and weirdness and mm. and you know. Mm-hmm that makes it a little kind of gag inducing at times um just because because he uses some interesting special effects i guess that are kind mm. of uh, slimy um, <laughs> for lack of a better term it's a little bit slimy so if you have a weak stomach maybe cronenberg was a fan of the slime he enjoyed the slime so um he enjoys the slime. He's still around doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so the only the other movie I, I wanted to mention, sure. you know, in my ever in, in my never ending quest to see all Richard Linklater movies, mm. which I've only got a couple couple left. I, I there was a thing I read online where Linklater did a documentary uh, for ESPN about the UT baseball coach uh, who was here in the two thousands, and his name is already escaped. No. Yeah. Do you know him? Uh, I know of him. I don't know him. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I remember that name because it's such an unusual name. Isn't isn't that his? Is it Augie Garrido? Uh, yep, that's correct. Yeah, okay. I had forgotten it, but I knew it was. Yeah. Um, and so he did a documentary for ESPN called Inning by Inning. And um, Augie Garrido is a really interesting character, uh, person, coach. Um, right. His style is really unique. It, 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 that is, that uh, documentary could have been called Zen and the Art of Baseball. It was Ooh. he's a really I it was really interesting because I was because when you watch it, it's a very standard sports documentary. It's basically interviews and mm-hmm. and and um, uh, footage of games, you know, okay. it, it, there's he, uh, Linklater doesn't do anything unique. He doesn't mess with the genre at all. He just mm. presents kind of a straightforward sports documentary. But the character is very Linklater-esque because he's very much about the whole zen of baseball and the whole, you know, the whole psychology of it. But he's not like a he's not like a manipulative person mm-hmm. who's trying to manipulate players to do what he wants. Right. He genuinely tries to take young people and young athletes and have them look at the game in his own unique way that makes them want to succeed, Mm -hmm. but not because he's pushing them, although he does push them, but because he he just wants them to enjoy themselves and relax and play the game and have fun. And at the same time, he takes it deadly serious, whether they win or lose. It's very, Uh. it's a, he's a really unique character. It's a unique sports movie. I was fascinated all the way through it. And, and like I say, there's nothing cinematically there's nothing particularly unique about it mm-hmm. um you wouldn't even know it's a link later movie uh, from watching it but it really fits into his uh canon of films nicely yeah. because of the subject matter um so yeah that was really interesting for me to see that one so i'm yeah. glad i i did get that one right well so. i guess yeah i guess when you have really interesting subject matter you don't have to use any cinematic tricks or devices you just let the story tell itself so that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I I I want to see yeah. that. I want to see that film. What's it called? It's called Inning by Inning. Inning by Inning. Okay, nice. Portrait of a Coach. Oh, really? So yeah, it was another yeah another one of those ones where I had put it in my Amazon um, 
shopping list or whatever you want to say. And then uh, it came it came down to nine ninety nine, so I grabbed it. Okay, cool. All right. So yeah, yeah, so definitely how, worth watching. Yeah. So. How many films are left on your Linklater list? I think I only have two, and I wow. know one is Suburbia. Ah. Um, okay. I'm surprised you've never seen uh, Suburbia. Interesting. It's just one of those ones that somehow got past me. Yeah, just uh, slipped through the cracks. Mm hmm. And I feel like I feel like there's one other, but there may not be. Suburbia may be it at this point because I'm. Well, I haven't. There's a of course there's a couple of short films, but you know they're not going to be that easy to see. I'm mainly concerned with features he's done. Right. Um. Uh, so yeah, I think Suburbia may be it. It's been a long time since I saw the Newton Boys, which I didn't think it was very good anyway. Mm. Um, but I'd like to see it again just to kind of see it. Wasn't um, uh, John an extra in Newton Boys? Was he? I think John Christensen was an extra in Newton Boys. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, oh. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'll have to uh, check my sources. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting to know because I, uh, it's another one that I'd like to see again, and we'll probably get the DVD eventually to rewatch it. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if I need to look for him. Right. I, well, I tell you what, we'll just uh, say, hey, Tim, Tim, if you hear this, uh, send, me a, send us an email and let us know if your brother was an extra in the Newton Boys. Yeah, that would be cool to know. Right. All right, man. Yeah. So we got a few more minutes. Yeah. What else we got in the hopper? So, you know, every episode I got to talk about Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yes. Did you you watch it? Yes, I did. So remember, this was the one with Chris and Travis, Chris and his dad. Ah, right. Where they meet the bros from... uh, who are partying down in Mexico and are still there for some reason. <laughs> right. They got they got stuck somehow down in there, but it turns out the leader of the bros apparently probably wanted to stay anyway because he feels that this world is made for him. He can do what he yes. wants to do. It's his he, it's he his oyster, be, uh, man. Right. He can he can be a, a, a Negan or a uh governor. So it's kind of interesting to see a character that isn't in that position yet that wants to be Hmm. um Mm -hmm. and and he sees in chris uh someone that he can you know use um to achieve his goals but yeah and chris will go willingly oh yeah and i was just felt so bad for travis i was like ah you know what do you do when your son wants to be a bro what do you do I think that's something that all parents of, of boys eventually have to face. Well, what are you going to do when yeah, your son true. wants to be a bro, man? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing a... more heartbreaking. Well, he happens to be a, a cold-hearted killer, and he wants to be a bro. <laughs> that's right, yeah, horrifying, yeah. horrifying for a parent. Because, you know, at some point in time, I think he's just going to have to tell him, look at the flowers, Chris, look at the flowers. <laughs> I don't put, think that's gonna work. And then put a bullet oh, in the oh, back. I know what you're saying. Oh, and, and then put a and bullet. Then put in a bullet in the back of his head. <laughs> he needs um. He I knew needs you were gonna get there, that. man. Exactly. <laughs> it, it took you a moment, but you but you it locked did. on. Okay. <laughs> it did. I got it. It took me a second. Yeah, I just you know, 
I was like, and of course the whole uh, the whole time I'm watching the show, there's the three guys from that are the three bros, the three bromigos they've been calling them. Yeah. And um, one of one of them was named Baby James, who was a cute as fuck guy. And I was like, who is this guy? Who's play-? I had? I mean, I spent a half hour after the show online trying to find out who played uh, Baby James, and there was nothing online. That's wow. um, probably because he looked gig. Fami- he looked familiar too. Well, the, during Talking Dead, uh, they put up something that said his name on mm. one of the, you know, how they do those behind the scenes things. Yeah. And his first name is I- Israel. I can't remember what his last name is, but I did, so then I did find him on IMDb, and he's been in a few things, but nothing I had seen. So although mm. he looked really familiar to me, I couldn't see anything I'd seen that he'd been in before. But uh, um, I was like, ah, they shot the cutest one in the leg. Why do they always do that shit? <laughs> He'll die. He won't make it. Well, but yeah, but that's yeah, it's true. I, I thought that was a really good episode. The stuff at the hotel and, and those other things were were kind of interesting. But the whole thing with Travis and Chris and poor Travis, just, you know, I was just like, ah, man, to watch your son uh, denigrate into that kind of person before your eyes has got to be heartbreaking, man. Right. And I'm just like. I'm just like at the end of the at the end of it, I was like, Travis, just get up and walk away and keep walking yeah. and don't look back. He's lost. Yeah, he, he, there's no there's no saving this kid. Yeah, he's 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 actually been lost for quite a while. But uh, now well, that's now the I think the final nail is in the coffin, especially after he shot the farmer at the end. So that was. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 That's I, I think it's 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 done. And if Travis continues to try to save him, he's just going to be beating his head against the wall. Yeah, I agree. There's yeah, if he yeah, if anything changes, it should take a long time unless something drastic happens, which, you know, could happen next episode, you never know with with Walking Dead. Well, but that's um, true. But uh, I don't know, man. You know, Chris has that bloodlust, you know. He that's, does. That's well, and he really feel hard. he's totally he's totally misunderstood and feels misunderstood and yeah it's going to be hard to to it'd be interesting to see what they do with that character that character of all the characters on the show chris is really the only one i really give a fuck i'm interested in seeing what happens next with his character yeah it's it's going to be interesting i think if nothing else um uh so uh, that storyline i really liked and i thought that was they're 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 being really in, you know they're doing interesting stuff with it they're and it and it seems fairly realistic yeah you know it seems pretty you know and right. the kid who plays uh um um chris is a really good actor too i think but yeah, it's really agreed. interesting to see what happens with that character yeah it was definitely and then of course, talking, mm-hmm. it was definitely a much better episode ahead. than the previous episode where asshole is banging on a piano <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's so dumb yes yeah yeah, yeah. but um Anyway, so after that, Talking Dead was on, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was finally live again. Hardwick was on live, right. showing off his wedding band. Yes. We get it, Hardwick. You're a heterosexual. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. His, his elaborate ruse has finally paid off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He finally found his true beard. So no, <laughs> right. that's terrible. I'm just kidding. Of but, course. Uh, of course. But uh, I couldn't tell you one thing that they talked about on the show. I was there. It was a pretty lackluster show. Whatever was on. I don't even remember who his guests were, to be quite honest with you. 
Oh, uh, the guy who played the main, the guy who played the main uh, bro, bro oh, guy. Yeah, he was there and um, was. Um, oh God, what's the, what's the blonde woman's name? Was she on there again? Kim Dickens, I think, yeah. is her real name. Right. Was it her again? Maybe it was her. I thought Maybe. it was. Uh, I can't remember. Wasn't it the girl who played the hotel manager? It was the girl oh, who played the hotel yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the one who locked and in all the guests into in the, all the uh, wedding the, guests. Yeah, in the room. Uh, crazy. Yeah, and and then uh, and then they had some guest some, uh, special guest on the side that was not associated with the show. He's on. He does does something on the Nerdist podcast with Hardwick. Is like, and I actually started oh. following that guy on mm-hmm. Facebook because he had a really great line on Talking Dead. Something about. Um, Something about you know hiding under a dumpster, and I can't remember the context, <laughs> okay, but it was well. a Glenn reference in a uh-huh. in a disparaging way, and I was like, all right, I like this guy. He realizes <laughs> that Glenn Glenn hiding under the fucking dumpster was the stupidest fucking thing that has happened on The Walking Dead yet. That's stupider than banging on a piano when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are times when they when they pull these things out of their ass and you're like, oh my god, that's so fucking contrived. But anyway, yeah. yeah. To to me, for me right now, Glenn being alive under the dumpster is their jump the shark moment. If they can recover from that and get me interested in the show again, because I certainly hate the Negan character and I hate that whole plot line. I could give a fuck. Right. I don't care. So, you remember when you said that you wished uh, that uh, Negan was being played by. Um, What's his name? Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. Did you know that the guy who wrote the comic book had Henry Rollins in mind when he when he created the character? No, I didn't know that. I knew that they considered Henry Rollins for the role, and yeah. I don't know if he even auditioned for it, but uh-huh. I didn't realize that was because the guy who wrote the um the uh, comics had envisioned that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember, was that an interview that he did or or something that I read? I can't remember, but I was like, oh, wow, i got to mention this to Lodger. So I've yeah, done, that is interesting. I've done my duty. Cool, <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, right. One day I'll read the comics. I'm trying not to read them because I really don't want to know what – what's you know i know the, the the show doesn't match the comics exactly no. but i'd rather i'd right. rather maybe you know five years from now when the show is over or whenever it's over i'll go back and read the comics but yeah. right now it, i just want to kind of i i feel like it would unfocus me and, and be too difficult to keep up with sure so. plus you want to wait for the price of the comics to go down because you know once the show is done yeah, you'll be able <laughs> the, to buy them at swap meets for a dollar fifty. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except for issue number one, of course. Oh, of course, be, of uh, course. You tens have to, of thousands of dollars. You have to dollars. buy a reprinted in in an anthology comic. Oh yeah. Kind of a that's thing much to get that. It's much easier to read them that way anyway. I did that with uh, <laughs> some Daniel Close um, graphic or comic books. Oh, cool. That reminds me, dude, online yesterday, I saw a thing on Facebook where you could go buy the Ramones Meet the Archies comic. You could pre-order it, and I pre-ordered oh, yeah. that. Actually, I pre-ordered <laughs> there was four, There's four different four different covers, so I pre-ordered all four wow. all four of them. What are they so, going yeah. What are it they going for price-wise? I be, I believe with tax and shipping for the four uh for all four it was like $32. Yeah. So, about okay. 8 a piece. Yeah. Not too bad. All right. Not too bad. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. Um, 
Uh, a big chunk of the, I, I think they were like four or six a piece, and then uh, you know it's always a twelve dollar shipping or whatever. Yeah. Um. Anyway, just a couple other things. I know we're already going long, but sure. Um. What do you got? Uh, uh, so, did you watch the the Rob Lowe roast on Comedy no, Central? No, I haven't seen it. I've seen excerpts where, oh my god, uh, what's her they name? Is just they ripped her ripped a new asshole. Her what's her name? A new asshole. Ann Coulter. Ann Coulter. Which she yes. Is, she is a oh, she's a complete cunt, and I hate her. Oh, she's to a death. She is a vile human being. That's for sure. She is, and she deserves everything that they gave her. But <laughs> something about saying it to her fucking face just seemed horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, but I mean, hey, I mean, so, it it's it's all to her benefit because she was she was promoting a new book, so it's all publicity oh, for well. her. Yeah, she got up and did a bit that bombed terribly, but right. I can't remember who it was. My Oh, it was Jimmy Carr, who's a really funny comedian that nobody knows, um, is the one who said um, something about uh, – you know she's a she's a she's a complete bitch and and she's a horrible person and blah 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 and he said but but you can you can save yourself you can save yourself from all this or something and he goes you can still kill yourself oh yeah I was just like I was like oh wow <laughs> but they they you know. tore her a new one and she, yeah. she sat there like she didn't know you know like she, she just didn't get it it was either yeah or, uh, it was amazing or she was in complete shock or maybe she just doesn't have a soul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell. At first, I thought maybe she was, because she looks like a deer in headlights the whole time. Like she just has no idea that that's what a roast is. Look, um, by, and I don't know if that. By, I don't know if that's it was a complete act or whatever. Yeah, but just you know, she set herself up. I mean, just by agreeing to come on, she had to have known. And believe me, the comedians on that show never hold back. You are going to get the worst of the worst possible oh, things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's what those are. I mean, they every comedian is there. That's gonna, what a roast they're, is. Yeah, they're going to bite and they're going to bite hard, whether you're, you know, the, the person being roasted or anybody on the dais. I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, you know, roasts are my favorite kind of comedy. I, there's something about them that I love. They always make me laugh really hard. Oh, I yeah. guess I've always, you know, it's insult insult comedy like like yes. um, Rickles does, and and right. you know, but I love I loved the roast in the '70s that Dean Martin roasts were funny as shit to me too as a kid. I, True. you know, I we watched them every time they were on. Oh, yeah, I still love here. Red Butt. Still love red buttons. Didn't get a dinner. Um, <laughs> do you remember that bit? No. Oh, it was hilarious. He'd be like, why are we roasting whoever they were roasting? You know, and then he'd go through all these people from history, you know, with, uh-huh. with jokes about them. You know, like Caligula, who said, I don't know. <laughs> Am I in yet? Didn't get a dinner. You know, he would have he would have all these people from history and tell right. some little joke about them and then be like, they didn't get a dinner. Why are we giving John Wayne a dinner when, you know, uh-huh. anyway. Okay. And, of course, Foster Brooks being drunk. And oh, yeah. That, that wouldn't those fly nowadays, but yeah, those were those were uh, a definite artifact of their their time in in time in history for sure. But uh, yeah, but as as good as they were, they're definitely not as amazingly rude and crude as the the roast of today, the Comedy Central roast. Ugh, oh wow. yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, amazing. I mean, that's a f- no holds That's the barred. first place I. Yeah, that's the first place I saw. Um, Lisa Lampanelli, who oh, also yeah. gives 
gives gives tells jokes on herself as funny as she does other people. Absolutely. But, um, you know, and she she hasn't been on a roast for a few years, and she's sore, sorely missed because she's my favorite. She's the best. Right. I think she's kind I of love, t- ever since she got married. I think she's toned down her entire act, so I don't think she's quite as so. as well, edgy as she used to be. She um she her her joke is my well. There's so many favorites, but I love her joke <laughs> on the Shatner roast where she said, uh, yeah. "I asked my." My TiVo. What did she say? I asked my TiVo record to record TJ Hooker, and TiVo suggested I punch myself in the cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so, yeah, I saw yeah, that on, it, on YouTube. It's funny. Yeah, she's hilarious. I love her. I, I could watch the roast all the time. Definitely, though, there's something about the fact that everyone's in on it that makes it funny. Yes. And Coulter sitting there like a uh, like a bump on a log who doesn't get it just made it cringeworthy. Yeah, that's it was true. Just, I mean, I I almost you know I almost felt sorry for her. And when you feel right. sorry for Ann Coulter, there's something definitely wrong with you. <laughs> Wow. No, you that's true. Check, you need to hey, uh, but check it, yourself at the door. Yeah, I, I think that was her comeuppance, though. Believe me, she said some. She said a lot of horrible things about a lot of people oh, in her day. She has, so yeah. she she got as good as she gave, you know. Uh, oh, in, yeah. In life, I should say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She deserved everything she got. I just, yeah. I was just like, they... I, I, you know, I love comedy like that, and I, I even tell jokes like that. I mean, I can come up with a zinger like that on occasion, mm-hmm. but to do something like that to someone's face who doesn't get it just seems cruel. Yeah. <laughs> and it it uh, made it not as fun for me. I, you know, if she would have laughed at the jokes like she got that it was a joke, uh, it would have been, uh, you know. Right. It's like it's like using tolerable. it's like using a hot shot on a dumb animal. What's a hot shot? Uh, a, a stun gun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it was like. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> what's a hot shot? What's Aleppo? Anyway, um, that's a time. That's a, uh, that's a timely joke poor, that a week from now no one will care about. Poor Gary Johnson. I know. Poor dumb fuck running yeah. for president. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to it's hard to prove that you're dumber than Trump. It's oh, really hard to pull that one off. Oh, wow. anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we said no politics. <laughs> right, right. No politics. Now, I no mean, politics. Gary Johnson has every right to be running for president, and so I'm not going to down him for that. Oh, you know. But uh, yeah, he, he doesn't have a chance of winning. Maybe he's helping oh, no. to change the dialogue some, but I, I don't think so. Whatever. And I'll, I'll tell you, too, anyone, 90% of the people who would give him shit for not for asking what's Aleppo don't know what Aleppo is. Well, that's I didn't true know what too. it was. But a, a, yeah. a person who wants to be president of the United States should be up on that sort of thing because those kind of questions would, are going to yes. come up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, um, okay. Couple other things. I promise I won't go on forever. No, I've only got cool. like 15, 20, 20 minutes more stuff. Uh, <laughs> okay. So earlier tonight, when we're recording this, we record generally on Thursday nights. Yes, um, we do. New show on new show on Logo tonight called Finding Prince Charming. Do you do you watch shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I've never. Um, I have maybe once or twice, but got you know tired of it very quickly so i i was not a continued watcher 
Okay. I, yeah, I've I have certainly seen clips and stuff, but I I don't think I've ever watched an, a full episode. I know they give a rose to the people they want to stay, or maybe that's the Bachelor that does that. I don't know what the Bachelorette does. Uh, it's it's the same. It's basically the same show. They just swap the roles. Right. Yeah. So it's the, produced so by the, the same. It's produced the, by the same people. Yeah. So the the girls give the guys a rose if they want them to stay. Yes. Okay. Well, there's a show on Logo called Finding Prince Charming. It's basically the gay bachelor. It's a guy with a house full of 13 guys where he's eliminating them one by one. Okay, right. And it's it's just a dating show like The Bachelor. And it, it at this point, it doesn't seem to be um, – there doesn't – you know, uh, Bravo did a show about 10 years ago called Boy Meets Boy where the some of the guys in the house, it turned out, were, were straight – and if if a straight guy could get the bachelor dude to pick them, they were going to get a big cash payout. Yeah, I remember because I the remember bachelor that. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a shitty concept. Yeah, and of course, they what what pissed me off is they told the bachelor guy like when there was only two guys left, they told him, oh by the way, some of these guys are straight playing for money. Well, of course, there were two guys left at that point, and one of them was so obviously homosexual that he uh, picked that one because the other one i can't remember if he was gay or not but he wasn't uh you know completely um obvious about being gay if he was okay um where the other one was a, a little bit of a flaming queen and uh, mm-hmm. um i was like that's not fair man you fucked that guy over because of course he's gonna pick the one that's just so obviously gay Right, uh, you know, it's almost like they let they really di- left him no choice at the end because you know it could have they exactly ended disastrously if he had picked a straight guy and you know all of his hopes and dreams just went down the freaking toilet. Right, and I think if I remember correctly, I think it seemed like he might pick the straight guy, and I think that's why they were like, "Oh fuck, what what message are we going to send if he picks a straight guy? We better do something about." It. Right. I could be wrong. I I may be misremembering, but no. I just remember I thought. It seemed like an interesting concept, and then it kind of imploded on itself. Well, I mean, the thing is, you don't know about all the manipulation and all the behind-the-scenes, uh, you know, cluing in that's going on. So, I mean, in the end, oh, yeah. it, it's so far removed from reality that, you know, calling it a reality TV show is, is a joke. Right, yeah, as most of them are. I'm not a big reality True. TV fan, and yet I find myself watching a lot of it. I don't right. like... You know, I don't – well, you know, it's like I will say something like I don't like the Kardashians, but then again I watch Crisley knows best. You know, I don't I don't <laughs> right. really like The Bachelor Bachelorette, but I'm watching the gay version of it on Logo called Finding Prince Charming. Um, so, you know, I, well, I, I love Project Runway even though I don't like Survivor, you know. <laughs> well, you know, every everybody – Everybody deserves to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, this this show seems kind of cool. It doesn't look like they're going to try and pull any crazy twist on it. It just no. seems like they're trying to do a um, a gay bachelor kind of a thing. And yeah. um, so I'm interested to see yeah. where it goes. The first episode was, was pretty darn good. Okay. Um, and they also – the youngest guy there i think is 26 the bachelor guy's like in his mid 30s most of the guys are in their mid 30s um it, it doesn't seem like um it's going to 
it, it isn't a bunch of twink boys running around or you know it's it, it seems like real it seems pretty real and honest if it if it if it continues to be what it looks like it is i think it can be really interesting i'm excited yeah. to to see what happens next on it it's a fun interesting concept of, of a show okay well i will await your report <laughs> okay i yeah i know you're probably not gonna watch it um <laughs> It's probably not something you're particularly interested in. <laughs> well, Which, it's it's you know it's great that we can be friends. We don't have to like all the same things. Like no. you like pussy, I like dick. You know, we don't have to like all the same things. Well, right. And I mean, we can still be great friends. Yeah, we've got. Uh, believe me, we got enough overlap to uh, to to last a long time. Oh, we so do. No problems we, there. We do. Definitely. I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I, I have a whole list of things here to talk about, about the UT game, uh, the Longhorns game from last uh, Sunday night. And I know you don't give a fuck at all about that. Uh, well, that, that probably <laughs> would be true. Though I, I do hear, and it was a very exciting game and had a lot of significance to uh, uh, fans of the Longhorns. And so, hey, I get it. I get it. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it, it it was a great game. It was a fantastic game. Very close game all the way through, which I always say there's not I I love UT, but even when UT wins in a blowout, it's like boring. I want to see them play good teams that are that are quality matchups, you know, that that uh, are interesting games. I really don't care if they lose as long as it's a good game. Uh, but I know most UT fans don't share that same philosophy. Um, yeah. Texas is so intent on winning. It, it gets very frustrating to me as a fan sometimes. Sure. Um, but this was an ex- exciting game. Uh, they have a new quarterback who is a true freshman. His last name is is something like um, Boucher or Bouchel. Um, so I call him Bouchy. Um, Bobby Boucher. <laughs> yes, that's what. That, of course, that's what everybody says. Right. Um, but he's uh, uh, he he certainly from this one game outing uh, has seems to have the potential to be the next Colt McCoy. So it could I mean, as UT fans, it's really exciting. I can't believe we're talking about sports on the podcast. It's so awesome. As UT fans, <laughs> we're, we're not going to make a habit a, of it. OK, well, just, I'm just, just telling you, if he keeps winning, I'm well, going to keep bringing it up. No, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> no, that's cool. I mean. One segment of, of uh, you know, an hour and a half long show is not a problem for me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, thank you. Well, I'm excited about the new season, but here was the greatest thing. I went over to our friends, you know, Molly and Jason. Yeah. Um, went over to their house to watch the game. Our fr- uh, my, my friend Charlie uh, and his girlfriend were there as well. It was just the five of us there, and we're watching the game together, having a good time. And at one point during the evening, I don't even remember what the, what the uh, context was, but we started imitating memes. Okay. And I'm telling you, you know it's 2016 when you're at a party and people start imitating memes. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, I am with younger people and it's 2016 because oh we're God. not just talking. We're not just mentioning and talking about memes. We were actually doing imitations of different poses from me. Oh, OK. <laughs> OK. Wow. That that could be a whole whole segment I know, right? right there. That's a, yeah, <laughs> that was that's the first time that's happened to me. So um, so it was an interesting uh, moment. It didn't go on long, but it was certainly an interesting moment. Okay. Were they like quoting existing memes or creating their own? I, no, they were quoting existing memes and doing the poses wow. from whatever. Oh, that's hilarious. It was almost like 
Yeah, yeah, I can't, and I can't even. Of course, we we were uh, uh, having a good time and laughing, and I can't even remember yeah. the context how it started. But I just remember I said to them afterwards, "Oh my God, we're imitating memes. <laughs> what what is wrong with us?" Yes, that's what we've come to. That's what we've devolved to. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. We don't have conversations or or wow. anything anymore. We. And we're not just posting memes. We're actually incorporating them into our real lives. Damn, that's wild. Well, just goes to show that they're a significant and important uh, form of communication in our culture today. I mean, I will take a meme over an emoji any day. I well, don't understand. Uh, yeah. I am an old man and don't understand emojis and don't that's, get it. I, I think that's the whole point. It's it's a it's a secret cryptic form of communication that only the 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 new generation can un- fully understand. Can understand. Yeah. I don't think most of them even really know what it what it, what emojis are saying. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's it's just to piss people off to make them think that they can't understand what they're saying. Yeah, it's like pig Latin. Emojis are the pig Latin of 2016. <laughs> Yes. I'm tweeting that, bitch. I'm tweeting that right now. Yes, please do. Please do. Oh, my God. All right, man. All right, man. Are we coming down the home stretch here? I just wanted to mention one other thing. Okay. So uh, because it it happens to be today that we're recording this, uh, today is the uh, 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Oh, thank you for bringing that up. That's right. A lot of people yeah. were uh, adding uh, Star Trek logos to their profile pictures on Facebook I saw today. So Yeah, I saw a lot of different things online, and I, I uh, saw an ad the other day that uh, uh, Sci-Fi Network was going to do like a whole day of Star Trek stuff. And I'm like, damn, it's a Thursday. Everybody's at work. Nobody can watch that. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I wish they did it on the weekend. Maybe they'll do some more on the weekend or something. But I'm, sh- um, I'm sure they will. Hard, hard to believe, man. Fifty years. Yeah. Like well, I still. Mm-hmm. So what's what's your favorite incarnation of Star Trek? Oh wow! I'm definitely um, I'm definitely a next generation guy. Picard, yeah. Data. Yeah, I'd probably have to go with next generation, um, only because. Mm. The original series was, you know, it was wagon train to the stars. You know, it was a lot of um, situations that they took from westerns that never got produced and put them into a science fiction context at some points in time. Or it seemed that way. And Kirk was, you know, he was always kind of, you know, punch first and ask questions later kind of a guy. And Picard (laughs) was so much different from that. But the funny thing about... uh, Next Generation, though, is when you watch those episodes now, you know, because they were produced in the, you know, in the 90s, they seem... 80s even, yeah. uh, They seem uh, a little stilted, a little too well lit, uh, (laughs) you know, a little too preachy sometimes, maybe. Um, Oh, yeah, they're definitely... yeah, they're definitely message episodes. Right. Uh, most of the time, there's a there's a theme and a more moral uh, uh, for each of those episodes. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, when they originally aired, though, oh, I loved them. I I thought they were much better than the original series. But uh, you know, oh yeah, without the original series, though, you wouldn't have Next Generation. So you have to well, realize yeah. they're standing on the shoulders of giants, and that's the way it is. 
Um, my least favorite was Deep Space Nine. I hated that piece of shit. <laughs> I never watched it. Um, I I I watched a few of the episodes. I can't remember what the series was called when um, Kate Mulgrew was Captain Janeway. Voyager. I actually did like Voyager. Yeah. I actually did like. I did too. There was another. There was another series where I think. Um, uh, who was it? The guy who played MacGyver was the cap. No, it wasn't him. No, uh, you're talking. You're thinking uh, no, about uh, Scott Scott Bakula. Yeah, was that, a captain. I don't. Right. That was supposed to be some sometime around the same time as the original series took place, or or was it supposed to be right before the original series took place? I don't know. I I I, I probably only maybe saw one episode of that particular yeah, series. Me too. So. Yeah, me I can't too. remember. I think it was set. I think it was supposed to be set before the 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 Kirk the time origi- frame before the original series. Okay, right. I think because you're right. I think yeah. the the idea was they could be a little more uh, Rough Rider cowboy esque, yeah. a little less cerebral. If it was early days of space exploration, mm-hmm. where you had to be more. You know, yeah. where you were confronting more um, uh, confrontational uh, maybe, type uh, situations. Maybe they were trying to compete with that series Firefly, which was a little more cowboy esque, rough rider type uh, people in space. Hmm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, don't you, tell anyone. I've I've never I've never seen that show. I have no oh, idea what all the fuss is about. Oh, Firefly <laughs> was great. Yeah, it was good. It has the guy who's in Castle in it, doesn't it? Uh yes, that's exactly I, yeah, right. I, yeah, he's, he was, was uh, he was very funny. He was he was actually very funny in in that series. So anyway, hmm. And it had maybe um, one day I'll see it. And it had uh, Ron Glass was in it. You remember Ron Glass from Barney Miller? He was the black guy on Barney, Barney Miller. Barney Miller, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ron Glass he was is in, awesome. In Firefly, yes, he sure was. Now. Now that makes me want to see it. There you now, go. I did not know that he yeah. was in it. So there's well, there you go. Something for everyone. Yeah, did interesting. I, did I tell you about the time that I I saw Ron Glass uh, at Miami Airport, just walking through the airport, and uh, he's walking one way, and I'm coming, you know, going to pass right by him, and 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 we're maybe ten feet away from each other. I look up at him, and I have this moment of recognition. <laughs> And I'm staring at him with these wide, you know, eyes, and he looks at me, and he, he shakes his head in the in the way that he does, you know, with his with his smarmy look on his face, and shakes his head. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> we we did we didn't exchange a word. It was just complete communication, just with the eyes only. And oh, I wow, and I was kind awesome. of like, okay, I'm not going to sell you out and let everybody else know that Ron Glass is walking through Miami Airport. But uh, that was my brush with greatness. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That's a cool one. That was um, wild. Uh, I can't think of what his character's name was on Barney Miller. Um, yeah, damn I it. can't remember. Uh, I know. I feel like yeah. it was, it was, yeah. But I loved, oh, I loved Barney Miller. I loved <laughs> Barney. We'll look it up eventually. Right. I loved Barney Miller. Um, that was a great show. That's one of those ones mm-hmm. I would buy on DVD, especially the early episodes are so fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was such a, a character study type show when hilarious as shit. So loved it. Yeah. Great, great. One of those great 70s sitcoms. Um, okay. 
my headphones are starting to die, so I guess we should do an oblique strategy. Okay. Let's, let's, let's do a quick oblique strategy. All right. All right. Here it is. Simple subtraction. Oh, do your drum roll. I'll do it again. Simple subtraction. <laughs> All right. Well, it, it was as meaningless the second time as it was the first. <laughs> no, no. Come on. Check it out. Check it out. Here it is. Simple subtraction. It's like you're you're, you're working on something. You're, you're you're creating something, and you're like, man, something's not right. Something's not working here. What can I do to fix this? And it's like, you just need. Sometimes you don't need to add something. You need to take it away. Simple subtraction, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know how sometimes you can yeah. you, you can over overdo something. You can overproduce something. You can uh, over overpaint something. Over sculpt something. Over create something. So simple subtraction, man. It's not all about. Bill, it's Keep not all it about simple, stupid. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes destruction is a creative act. Yes. Now that I like. Okay. All right, man. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going any further with simple sub- subtraction. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's subtract ourselves from this podcast and do it again next week. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay. <laughs> Okay, folks out there, slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. <laughs> Lodger out and proud. See you next week, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>